So where do Bani Israel go from here? Is there a path forward for them as a people now? Welcome back to the one podcast you need to destroy Islam with mere words. You see, we Muslims follow the strangest and most strict of rituals. From separating rows of men and women during prayer to performing a special ablution before said prayer. We do not do this because it makes sense. We do this because 1400 years ago, an illiterate Arabian shepherd received a message from beyond the veil. From mankind's maker and benefactor. In the name of Allah, the Rahman, the Merciful. The Quran is nothing short of miraculous. It is composed of the most beautiful Arabian words ever uttered. It is actually sung, not read. Quran has been stumping Arabian poets for 1400 years. No one could bring its equal. Quran also has a magnificent scope. From the varying states of shadows to the names of the angels who tested the people of Babel or Babylon as it is known in the English-speaking world. The Quran challenges you to disprove it. Check out episode 5 of this podcast if you haven't already. If you claim this is only a fabrication by this Arab man, then you must be able to outdo him. Bring about a single surah of its likeness and you win. Call on your theologians, your historians, your poets. Use your computers, your AI and your PhDs. Use anything and anyone under Allah's sky. If you cannot beat a single illiterate Arabian shepherd, and you won't, then you must see that this is beyond human and therefore from Allah. To recap, last episode we read about the immense knowledge Allah bestowed on Bani Israel. They knew to expect this Quran, to the tone of threatening others of mankind. Wait until the new message from Allah arrives and see how we will conquer you with it. However, when this Quran came to them, attesting to the truth of their own message, when they identified it as the word of Allah with specific traits, some of them opted to cover themselves from its light. Why? Allah told us. They could not bear to see the message of Allah come to them from a different people. Some of them claimed they can only accept what comes to them directly. Even if Quran is the one message in thousands of years attesting to their truth. So Allah ordered us to respond to them with, Why then did you murder prophets of Allah beforehand? There did come to you messengers of Allah from your own people with irrefutable signs. Why did you murder them? You will accept messages that comes to you, eh? What about Musa, who came to you with irrefutable signs, and then you took to the calf in his absence, knowing it was an evil deed? Did you not recognize his prophecy as well? How about the time when you were to receive the covenant of Allah? As Allah raised above you the Tur mountain, witness the immense power of your master, take this covenant with strength, and your response was, we hear and we disobey. You tried to negotiate even then. Did you not recognize the mountain above your heads? Allah told us, the calf seeped in their hearts. They wanted their relationship with Allah to be restricted to temples and rituals. None of that societal rules like taking care of parents and the poor, refraining from spilling blood and displacing each other and so on. So Allah tells them, worst of the worst and lowest of the low is what your faith calls you to if you are at all faithful. That is a false argument. Whosoever of you denies Quran would have denied it even if it came directly to you. With that, let's start our new episode. Ayah 94 Say, if yours is the home thereafter with Allah, solely to the exclusion of mankind, so wish for death if you are truthful. 
Okay, so segments of Bani Israel claim that the later home with Allah, the gardens of Eden of the next life, are theirs purely to the exclusion of the rest of mankind. By virtue of being of a certain lineage or by virtue of being saved by a savior or whatever else they have. So they already have a comfortable deal. Why should they accept a new deal? A deal that requires them to work like all mankind. Allah ordered us, respond to them as follows. Why then don't you wish for death? What a great deal you have. Pray tell, why then would you continue to suffer through this life at all? Through all the uncertainty and pain. If death is what stands between you and the blissful existence in the gardens of Eden, then kill yourselves. If the next life is purely yours, isn't death just a release for you? I mean, have you experienced life or do you live in a cotton candy house? Why are you not teaching that to your children? As a matter of fact, why are you not killing your children to spare them the harsh realities of this world? Why suffer through poverty or sickness or even a a stock market downturn? Why suffer through a single disappointment or a bad headache? Kill yourself and go enjoy the incredible gardens of Eden. Your arguments are those of a death cult. So wish for death if you are truthful. If they were absolutely certain that only butterflies and rainbows awaited them on the other side, they would be jumping off buildings day in and day out. Ayah 95 And they shall not wish for it ever, for what wrought their hands. And Allah is well aware of the dhalimeen. But you see, they are not a death cult. They are not advocating for themselves to commit suicide at the slightest discomfort. They do not teach their children to commit suicide once life takes on the inevitable wrong turn. They do not advise that people commit suicide when stricken with poverty or sickness. That is because they know what wrote their hands. They can spot the logical fallacies of their claims. They know they have no such deal. They know they altered the books of Allah in their hands and violated their covenant. They have waged war amongst themselves, spilled their own blood and displaced their own people. They rampage throughout the world, killing and enslaving others of mankind. They have allied with others who do not share their faith against their own people. And Allah is well aware of the darkness they inflicted against their own souls. Allah is well aware of every sin they committed, every rule they violated. Allah has the measure of their hearts. Don't think that because you weren't punished on the spot that you were somehow missed. Remember what we said earlier. You will serve your purpose whether you like it. Or not. Ayah 96 And you shall find them the most obsessive of mankind with a living, even of the pagans. Yearns one of them to live long into a thousand years, and it will not nudge him of the torments to live long. And Allah is all seeing of what they do. And instead look at them, the same people who preach like a death cult about the great rewards awaiting them in the next life. They are in fact the most obsessed of all mankind with the trappings of life, wealth and luxury. Even more so than the pagans who claim there is only this one existence and no life after death. They yearn to live long into a thousand years. They wish above all else to live long and prosper. You will find them obsessed with hoarding wealth. All that matters to them is how much of the material world they can place their names on. They hope to live long into a thousand years after all. They will surely need this money later on. Their only concern is how to set interest rates to take in more, how to game the system to make even more money at the expense of everyone else, how to invade and displace their own brethren and face across the world to take their resources and commerce, how to exploit and take advantage of the rest of mankind. 
No act is so vile in the pursuit of the material world, even if they hoard beyond what they can spend in multiple lifetimes, even if the rest of mankind suffers under their heel, the world be damned. Wealth for them is the only measure of success in this life. And Allah tells them, All wealth means nothing. Even if you lived long, it means nothing. The Arabic form here is, All the money and time in the world will not alleviate one iota of the suffering of this world. You will still go through the torments of this life like everyone else. What good is all the wealth in the world when you are bent and bedridden? What good is all the wealth in this world if you do not consume it before you die? Finally, in the grand scheme of things, what good is a thousand years of living through the suffering of this world followed by eternal life as fuel for the fires of Jahannam. And Allah is all-seeing. Every deed, every action in the pursuit of the material world, Allah sees them all, regardless of how small, regardless of how you justify that to yourself, regardless of whether you make it lawful by your human laws or not. Allah is well aware of what you do. Remember, remember that mankind's true purpose in life. Our covenant as sealed with our progenitors, Adam and Hawa. We are to be placed in this world. Allah will observe what we do. And then we shall return to Allah to be repaid for our deeds. Ayah 97 Say, Whosoever was an enemy of Jibreel, then it was him that brought it down on your heart, as sanctioned by Allah, attesting to what was before it, and guidance and glad tidings to the faithful. And so another segment of Bani Israel styled themselves enemies of Jibril, or Gabriel, as he is known in the English-speaking world today. Jibril is the angel who carried this Quran to Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So some segment of Bani Israel says we cannot accept this message because it was Jibril who brought it to you, and you know he's an enemy of ours. Now, the ayah itself does not say why they feel so about Jibreel. Maybe he was tasked with punishing them, or maybe he carried them to them some commandments they did not like, or whatever. Regardless of their reasoning, who in his right mind thinks to style himself the enemy of an angel of Allah? You mean to tell me that if you received a message from the Creator, the one who holds dominion over life and death, the King of Kings, your own master, who hasn't talked to you in such a long time, your response to the man carrying the message is, Look man, sorry, we have some history with this Jibreel fellow. Tell Allah to send another angel, please. I mean, wow. So, the response from Allah is again severe. Allah orders us, respond to them as follows. Whosoever styles himself the enemy of Jibreel, know that Jibreel, specifically, is the one who carried this message. Attesting to the truth of Allah's words before it, Guidance and glad tidings to the faithful. In other words, cry a river. Yes, Jibreel is the one tasked with delivering this message, whether you like it or not. Ayah 98 Whosoever was an enemy of Allah and his angels and his messengers and Jibreel and Mikal, then so is Allah an enemy to the kafirin. And so Allah continues, you are nothing. You do not get anything. You think Allah might give you a wink and a nod to win your support? You do not get to choose what you like in the kingdom of Allah. 
Whosoever of you styles himself an enemy of one, then he is the enemy of all. An enemy of Allah, his angels, his messengers, Jibreel and Mikal, or Michael, as he is known in the Western world today. Know your place. Choose your lot and trade. You do not get to choose or negotiate. Allah declares that if you are the enemy of any, then you opted to cover yourself of Allah's light. And so, Allah is your enemy. Full stop. Ayah 99 And verily, we brought down to you signs, irrefutable, and only yakfuru of it are the fasiqun. So this one is a straightforward, if not for the Arabic words, without an English counterpart. Yakfur is the action of covering yourself from Allah's light. Fasiqun are those who split away from their covenant. I think you can substitute fasiqun with betrayers or traitors. So in this ayah, Allah brings the discussion with Bani Israel to an end. Whatever arguments they have about why they won't submit, whether because Quran did not come to them directly or because they did not like Jibreel, Allah summarily dismisses all that. They have been given ample chances to present their case as to why they will not accept this Quran. Every time Allah patiently pointed to them their own fallacies. They have a new reason just as feeble as the first. And so Allah brings this argument to an end. Allah declared that he has brought down upon you signs, irrefutable, and the only ones who cover themselves of it are the betrayers, the ones who wish to split away from the agreement Allah sealed with all of us through our progenitors, Adam and Hawa. Also, when reading Quran in order, as we are doing right now, Allah used the word bayinat, which means irrefutable evidence, two times before this one specific instance. The first time was in episode 11, ayah 87, when referring to the irrefutable signs Allah gave Isa ibn Maryam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or Jesus son of Mary as per the repurposed English name. We haven't yet read what those irrefutable signs were. However, if we continue reading Quran, I promise you, we will read about the incredible things that Isa ibn Maryam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did by permission of and in the name of Allah. The second time was in episode 12, ayah 92, when Allah referred to the signs he bestowed upon Musa, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or Moses, as he is known in the Western world today. We read samples of those signs so far, splitting the sea, bringing about 12 gushing streams of water from a stone, raising the dead man using a piece of meat from a cow. All incredible, irrefutable signs that shred reality and break the laws of nature. If you saw any of those signs and denied their wielder, you did so at your own peril. So in this ayah, Allah tells us, This Quran that was sent down to Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, this Quran is on the same level of incredible, irrefutable, clear, magnificent proof as is splitting the sea and raising the dead. And this is a magnificent claim. I mean, how could words written on pages be the equivalent of raising the dead? Allah is again challenging you, pushing this argument on you. Read this book of Allah. See for yourself what Allah says is the equivalent of raising the dead and splitting the sea. Take it in. Realize that this is beyond the most educated, the most knowledgeable, and the most sophisticated of mankind, let alone an illiterate Arabian shepherd. We also see how Allah dealt with those who keep moving the goalpost after every argument. Oh, we can only accept what comes to us. 
uh, we already have a good deal as Allah's chosen people. So, uh, or maybe we do not like Jibril. Allah is telling us, if the magnificence of this Quran does not shock them into obedience, ignore them. Don't chase them down every rabbit hole. It's an act. They've already chosen their lot and trade. Ayah 100. Is it so that whensoever they seal the covenant, tossed it out a segment of them? Verily, most of them never yu'minun. And Allah tells us, look at them. They're not the ones mighty people of Allah. You are mistaken if you think them all good or all corrupt. They say different things. They bring different arguments and they believe different things. And if some of them accepts a covenant or a deal with Allah, others of them will toss it out. So when came to them Isa ibn Maryam with irrefutable signs, some of them accepted and submitted to him as a messenger of Allah, and some of them attempted to murder him. Some of them argued that Jibreel was their enemy. Some of them became Muslims. They do not even agree on how their lineage is passed down. Segments of them track Jewish lineage through the mother, if, she's, if the mother is of Jewish descent, or matrilineality, and some of them insist on tracking it, as explicitly mentioned in the Torah, through the father, or patrilineality, regardless of which is right and which is wrong. They are too far apart. If they cannot agree on even that point, how will they as a people agree to accept or reject Quran? If they are truly the people of Allah, then which of them are? The ones who accepted Isa ibn Maryam, or the ones who attempted to murder him, or the ones who accepted this Quran, or the ones who deny it? They are a discordant chorus of many thousands of voices. Almost none of them abide by the same things. They are a lost people. Their books were altered so much, and they have splintered into too many groups in a dense forest. They cannot find a way forward or find each other. As individuals, they can find their way out of the darkness and into Allah's light again, but not as a people or as an institution. With that, we come to the end of this episode. I know that this is uh, on the lighter side, however, and the next ayahs are actually quite associated with what we're talking about right now. It shows how some of those of Bani Israel betrayed their great heritage as the once mighty people of Allah. However, if we open the next ayah, it will take this far beyond the regular scope of these uh, episodes. So we stop here. We learned here a scary lesson. One of the main reasons for how Bani Israel fell from grace and lost their status and extensive knowledge was something associated with all of us mankind. It was that they broke apart. They separated into too many fragments, all carrying only a piece. None of them has the whole thing in hand. However, there is always a way forward. Allah has pointed them time and again in the correct direction. Go back and read your books to the letter. Stick to every word. Whether the books are altered or not, if you truly, honestly search for Allah with an open heart, Allah will guide you.